The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Join the geek revolution and save the galaxy. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Want to know more? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Listen to Weeby Geeks podcast on iTunes and Stitcher or online at WeebyGeeks.net. Weeby Geeks, your voice for the Geek Revolution. Want to know more? This is a Danger Entertainment podcast. DangerEntertainment.net. Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Welcome to another episode of Wookie Radio. It is the Smugglers 3. Ken, God, what a brain fart. Better have it now than later. Uh, yeah. Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike. Uh, before I ask you guys how you're doing, let me get the business stuff out of the way. Uh, check out our homepage. I'm slowly getting it caught up. I'm hoping this weekend I'll have some extra time where I could do so. Um, but check out our the right-hand side of the page at wikiradio.net. Support our affiliates, supports us. Also, to go to our partner, Heroes and Villains. Use the code SMUGGLERS for 15% off your first purchase. And they have some great Mandalorian stuff, whether it's Boba Fett or Warriors of Mandalore. Uh, I'm missing something else. Mandalorian of theirs too, aren't I? Or no, that's it, right? Uh, I'm looking over. They got Boba Fett. Right. Where's the Mandalore? They do have a new Star Wars series that um, I'm on their website right now. The yes, the vintage toys. toys. These look awesome. The four long sleeve shirts. Oh, I haven't seen them. They have a prize contest going right now. You need to win a vintage Rancor. You got to sign up on their website. Yes. I was going to get there. have a vintage Well, you have a second one. <laughs> one, could never well, my vintage one. My vintage one is from my childhood, so it's a little beat up. Uh, does See, it, this will be brand new in the box. Now, the box is a little beat up, but you have a box as well. Um, but let me check it out. I mean, I believe there's three different, um, no, two different backpacks for Mandalorian theme. There's the Boba Fett backpack. 
and the Warriors of Mandalore backpack, which looks awesome. Um, I like the backpack itself. The the pouch that zips off of it, I'm still iffy about, but I like the bag itself. The bag is great. Um, the hats, the t-shirts. Uh, I have a couple of the lanyards. Uh, we all have some stuff from... Uh, from them it from the loot crate box or uh the indoor collection which my indoor backpack is no longer sold on their site really yeah wow which hmm. makes it even more special when i take it to to batu east black spire east yeah so well i just another really cool have you seen the boba fett umbrella they have on here yes oh, yeah <laughs> i know this is a star wars show but their star trek stuff looks great as well Especially that's I'm a I'm a backpack junkie. That's Star Trek backpack. You know, I only, I only <laughs> mention this because of conventions or travel. I mean, here's some great ways. These are great ways to to strut your stuff. And anybody who's a Star Trek fan, they they may be getting some new stuff on here with Picard starting up a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping. Be curious to see. So, um, so yeah, check out the Mandalorian stuff because uh, fingers crossed we are going to have a Mandalorian type night tonight. Um, um, but before we get to that part, um, let's, uh, I'm going to ask you guys real quick. How are you guys doing? Uh, all right. Doing pretty good. Cool. Well, as you're making a bunch of the noises over there, let me, <laughs> I'm going to put us on hold real quick. So gentlemen coming across our com links now, um, we, the rescue party is set. We're going to bring her back to the, our smuggler headquarters so she's safe from the Empire. We have on the line with us the armorer herself, Emily Swallow. How are you doing tonight, Emily? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Well, thank you. Glad we were able to get you on. So, um... I guess to start, tell us how you came on to The Mandalorian, how you got cast. You know, this story is so, um, I mean, it's not boring now because now I know what The Mandalorian is, but it came about in such uh, an inconspicuous and uneventful way because I just had this audition for um, something that my agent said they thought was connected to Star Wars. But I had no frame of context for it because there had never been a, a live action Star Wars series. So um, I, of course, had no information about it. Um, I had a breakdown for a character that they just said was the the leader of a of a group of people. Um, they said she was very Zen like and they said she would be in a mask because they wanted to make sure I was OK with, uh, you know, not being recognized. Um, which I thought was great, actually. Um, and so I just, I remember at the time, too, I was really busy because I was getting ready for my wedding. It was a few months before I got married and I was doing a, a play in L.A. So I went in and the only other person in the room was the casting associate, um, a guy named Jason. And we, the scene that I, one of the scenes that I had, I now know was very similar to that scene in chapter three, when the fight breaks out and she kind of, you know, yeah. puts a lid on it. It was like, simmer down guys. Um, oh, yeah. so I did have to like command a room of, of people who were acting up, um, all in my head, of course, because there was only one other person in there. Um, and so we did it. We did it a few ways. And then he gave me a little bit of direction. And then he suggested that I do it with a, a British dialect because they had been seeing a lot of Brits for it. And I think originally they'd been looking for a British woman in her 50s or 60s, which I'm definitely not. Um, 
but that was the version that uh, that John liked. And when I got cast, he said, yeah, we think like having some version of a, of a British accent would be really cool just to like make her more mysterious. And um, so that's what stuck. And then when I found out I got it, I still didn't quite know what it was. Um, it wasn't really until I I remember when I had my first costume fitting, I started to recognize that this was going to be incredible because they had to do like a, a cast of my torso and they showed me the sketches of what this uh, armorer was going to look like. And it just took my breath away. It was incredible. Um, and that was a couple months out because it took them a long time to build that costume. So uh, so that got me excited. Um, and then I did get a script a little bit before I went to shoot. But even that was such a super secret process. I had to like log into this portal and... Um, I think they like kept track of how many times I logged in and I couldn't print anything. And it wasn't really until I got to set a few days before shooting that I got to sit down and talk with John and talk with Dave and actually like hear more about what this whole story actually was. Um, And then it was, I mean, and then I was just focused on like, okay, what do I need to get together in my head to add to what I'd already tried to put together for this character? Um, And I just dove into the work and it was, we really just, I learned so much about her on my feet because we were shooting episodes one and three at the same time. And so we had Deb Chow and Dave Filoni together. And we were all, those of us who were in the Mandalorian armor, we were all kind of learning at the same time, like what the language of movement needed to be and what what was communicated with our movement because you couldn't see our faces. And that was a really fun process. Um, and then <laughs> and then I finished shooting before it was ever even announced. I finished all my work before the end of 2018. And I think it was announced at the beginning of, 2019. Yeah. So I was done when it started to to come out, like what this was going to be. And, and I started to realize what a big deal it was. And I was really glad that I was already done with my work. So I didn't have to get nervous about it. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So um, I guess before we continue on with our questions, uh, we did have some of our fellow smugglers uh, ask some questions. Great. So I am trying to find the right cue. So I could say... Transmission commencing. From Rural Farm Boy on Twitter. He (laughs) asks, if you can have one droid in the galaxy, astromech, protocol, BB unit, whatever, what would you pick? Oh, my gosh. I know. We got some some great listeners, great smugglers in our... Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of partial to IG-11. He's pretty cool. And I, I have to admit, I don't, I feel like there's probably a lot of droids that I don't know anything about, <laughs> <laughs> but I love the way that, uh, that we got to be surprised, um, by IG-11 and, uh, and the humor that they found in that and, uh, and the ultimately like the, the beautiful sacrifice that, that he made. Oh yeah. So, so an IG droid then? Yeah. Okay. What about uh, you guys? I I'm kind of old school. I, I like the good old astromech. Okay. Yeah, whereas that's always I, been mine too. Like, whereas I know my daughter, because this is what she built for her birthday okay. when we went to Galaxy's Edge, was a BB oh. droid. Baldwin. Oh, yeah. It's the perks of being uh, working down here for the mouse. Yeah. Except I'm blacked out now until at least the end of April. So I can't even go visit Batu. I'm what so does upset. that mean you're blacked out? Um, my my passes, uh, Disney has cast members blacked out so 
it can oh, it get more more tourists in. So, but yeah. I will get back to Batu as soon as I nice. can. I, it, have you been to Galaxy's Edge? I haven't. I haven't gotten to, oh. to see what it's like yet. Just wait. But you got to. Um, but you got to live it on set, even though set's yeah. a little different. You got to live it, which I'm jealous yeah. of that too. Um, cool. Yeah. Did have a uh, second question. I don't remember who it's from, but the question was, how hot was it in your costume? How hot? How heavy? <laughs> <laughs> um, it got a little stuffy for sure, uh, because the the helmet had to fit very securely so that the microphone would, you know, stay where it was supposed to be and the sound would be what they wanted. Um, and you know, there were days where there wasn't a whole lot of air circulation down there in the, in the armory. Um, but it wasn't ever unbearable and I could take it off if I needed to. So I think it was definitely better than being in like, you know, tons of prosthetic makeup and okay. having an itch that you can't scratch. So, so, was, so the microphone they had in the helmet was similar to what you would wear on stage, either a headset mic or a wig mic. Yeah. See, I know these things being an audio engineer. I'm not going to ask you what brand mic, because that's just I too, would not be able to tell too you. geeky of me. But yeah, they, they wanted to be able to, to capture as much of the sound <laughs> right. while we were shooting it. And and I, I did have to do a little bit of, uh, of ADR afterwards, but not much. And it was oh, the easiest wow. ADR I've ever done because I didn't have to, you know, try and match. line up with, yeah, mount to yeah. mouth. Yep. Yeah. You wound up, um, when I was doing it, I was on the phone with Dave and, and John, even though John, because he's involved in everything at the same time, he was like in the middle of final sound mixing, I think, for The Lion King. Oh, so wow. he kept like jumping over to another <laughs> studio and coming back. <laughs> But it was kind of great because we we did in a few scenes change some of the dialogue because we you know now that the whole story was put together there were some things that we we thought might work a little better and we did a little rewriting on the fly so that was cool okay okay hmm. well interesting I got two more questions I have ten. okay go ahead the list uh, from our listeners mm-hmm. um, this next question comes from Jim on Facebook he goes will we be seeing more of the baddest Mando in future episodes is that me that's you. <laughs> I hope so. Maybe a little karaoke with, with Dengar. I mean, that that actually, I feel like you're reading my mind because I, I would joke that, you know, the armorer hangs out in there by herself a lot. And I feel like she must have a pretty dope karaoke set up with like a disco ball. And, you know, she brings all of her friends in there when they get, get blue about being in hiding. And yeah, they have Mando, Mando Wokey. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get the whistling birds to create little gerb-like totally. effects at the end of a song. Yeah. That's awesome. And then the final question comes from Jeff. Did you get to keep anything from the set or your costume? And he says, I have no. spoken. No. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did not get to take uh, my costume. Um, although a fan, I went to a, a convention in Portland, Oregon two weekends ago, and a fan made me an armor helmet. Saw that. And it oh, looked wow. gorgeous. Yeah. It's cool. So um, I got that, but now I took, and I, you know, I took a few pictures on set, but I also, I kept saying to people, like, I'm worried that just by taking a picture, like a, a Disney droid is going to come down and take me out or something. <laughs> <laughs> NDA. I did get this incredible photograph, though, that they sent me um, after production had wrapped that I, I posted on my Instagram at one point that um, our on-set photographer took when I was taking the helmet off. Um, and it was really cool because it was this in-between moment. Uh, you know, we'd finished shooting a scene, and so I was just taking 
taking it off, but it's like me and the armorer in transition. And oh, wow. I didn't even know they'd taken that. So that was a, they sent it to me in a frame and it was, it's beautiful. Hmm, that's how, cool. How hard was it for you to switch into armor mode um, from going helmet off to helmet on? I mean, was um, it fairly easy? It was because there was something about, I don't know, there was something when I had the helmet on that just it felt like I knew where her energy was um, and what that needed to be. Um, And it was, I mean, truth be told, some of the like very deliberate movement that I had for her and the the very patient movement was partly because um, if I, I couldn't see very well and if I moved too fast, I would run into things. And so it wound up being very useful for the character because I think that it it made her more powerful, that there wasn't a lot of like urgency to her movement and that she took her time and she did what she needed to do when she needed to do it. But uh, in between, I really hope there's a bloopers reel at some point, because when you get a couple of Mandalorians in a room together and they've got the helmets on, we were bopping heads. And like every time we would sit down at that little table when he like gave me the best scar, we would both try to sit down and we'd hit helmets together. And it wasn't very dignified, but it, we, we laughed a lot. Sounds like from Ellen's Game of Games, her version of musical chairs, Mando style. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Mando chairs. <laughs> so, so how was your vision in the helmet? Not good, I tell you. <laughs> I had no peripheral vision, uh, and the right. visor was tinted, and my, you know, that room, the cave-like armory was very dimly lit. Um, and uh-huh. I couldn't look down because we realized, you know, there, there were so many things, there were so many things we realized, like, because you can't see our faces, certain things that we did with our bodies would communicate things that we didn't want to when your eye is only looking at the body. So if I like looked down just to see where I was going, it was this huge movement. It was very distracting. So I kind of just had to trust that I knew where I was going and, um, and not have that, you know, quick reference. Um, so yeah, my, my vision was pretty pretty limited. And I, I, I mean, since all, everything that I shot was in that one space, I did come to know it pretty well. And I had a sensory awareness of, of where I was and a spatial awareness. And so it started to feel familiar and I could kind of find my way around. Um, but yeah, there were plenty of times when I was, I would reach down to pick up like my tongs or something and couldn't find them with my hands and couldn't look down. And <laughs> now what, with movement, did they put down any type of like I don't can't remember the proper term but like tape where it, there was like some texture want not to let you know okay I'm getting close to this area because I, I feel it through the shoes or no I wouldn't have been able to feel anything because those boots that I had on were really thick there was like a little step up where the um, the forge was the fire in the middle so if I was walking around the room and I was walking towards that I would know when my boot hit the edge of that that I needed to step up but other than that it was and so I did kind of lead with my feet a lot and tried to kind of feel if I was going to run into a table or a, that step or anything okay well in the same trip over that sorry I said how many times did you trip over that step um I choose not to disclose that information 
<laughs> one was once too many. Exactly. Yeah, just, well, staying on the armor there for a little bit, how long did, because um, unlike a lot of your other shoots, you didn't really have to worry about hair and makeup, obviously, for this. But yeah. how long did it take to get into the armor and out of the armor? It was pretty quick. I mean, I needed someone to help me. I couldn't do it all by myself. But I, you know, usually when I'm called to set to shoot something, I spend a good like hour and a half, two hours in hair and makeup. And I would be called half an hour before I had to be on set. And it took like 10 minutes to get into the, the whole thing. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty easy to, to get it all on. Um, definitely not something that I could do all by myself, but it fit together well. Okay. Um, then uh, another one on that would be, um, added a second ago. Oh, um, with the, now you were saying with the, with the armor, it made it, um, easy to kind of find this character. Was it easier than some of your other characters, which are wearing essentially what you would see normal people wearing to try to find it? Which one was easier to get into the character? Like your armor, the armor kind of shows you who that is. Yeah. Whereas some of your other roles, it could be anybody on the street almost that you have to figure out who this is. Was it easier or harder? Or it was, it I mean, some of the difficulties made it, they, some of the difficulties led me to the character and I way that was um, really surprising and exciting because I think the limitation, like I was saying, like the limitation of movement meant that I had to move a certain way. Um, and I think because of the restrictions on movement and the inability to express myself with my face, having more limited options, it sort of led me to who she was in a way that, like you said, like when I'm just like in plain clothes or, you know, you can see my face, I have endless options. And sometimes that means I think like you don't make choices because uh, you don't have to. So I found it to be really exciting to work that way. And it was really, I mean, it, it just, it felt exciting as we were first starting. And, you know, I was trying different things. And um, one of the things that John said to guide me before we started shooting was he referenced uh, Kurosawa films, specifically uh, Seven Samurai. Yeah. And, you know, having that like simple movement and efficient movement and um, kind of carrying oneself with dignity. And, and so I had that going into it. And then it was just so much fun to like try things with Dave and with Deb as we were shooting both of those episodes. And when something did click, you know, they were, they were on it and they told me like what played well. And, um, and from there, you know, we kind of narrowed down the scope of, of who this was. And so it was a, it was a real collaboration, um, the final like specifics of it. And I, I love working that way. I would so much rather create like in collaboration with other people. Um, and so that was a really, a really exciting part of it that I enjoyed. Okay. Since you, you kind of touched on briefly uh, that you were told a little bit of the backstory, what can you tell us about the armor? What backstory did they give you? They actually gave me very little. Um, they weren't specific about, you know, how much she actually knows about Din Djarin. But I decided that um, that their history does go back a ways. And I think that she has known him since he was a foundling. And they maybe haven't been in close contact, but I do think that he kind of drops in um, on her every now and then. And I feel like she, she's she been watching him and watching him grow up, watching how he's chosen um, to kind of make his living, you know, choosing the bounty pound, bound bounty hunting for a while so so and, al so almost a adopted sibling 
type roles yeah. between the, between the two? I think so because I think that that what we see is she sees the choices that he's already made and the choices that he could make, um, and she doesn't really. I mean, until that last episode, she definitely tells him like, "Hey, this kid is is your responsibility now." But I think you know, even when he first references. Um, the child and he says he talks about him as his enemy i think that she senses that something is up and i think that she she doesn't want to tell him what he should do but i think she wants to ask him questions and kind of guide him in a way that that lets him step into who he could be and step into the integrity that he winds up finding um but I love that she she's you know, she sits back and watches for a while and very subtly guides him until he comes to her with the child in that last episode. And then she's very clear that that's it's his responsibility now. Did either Dave or John um, tell you whether you're true Mandalorian or explain the, the status of being a Mandalorian at this stage in the timeline? A true Mandalorian as opposed to, what do you mean? Um, true Mandalorian, uh, Mandalore born. Oh, okay. Or no, they, part of... They kind of left it up to me. Okay. So, um, so do you consider yourself Mandalore born or do you consider your, or do you consider being Mandalorian a religion, as it's been talked about? I I think, um, why not? I think she was Mandalore born, but I think she is sort of the, the spiritual leader. And I think that she does consider it um, whether or not you were born um, into, you know, the Mandalorian people. I think once you adopt that way of life, she has equal respect for anyone who's willing to take that on um, because it is, it's not an easy choice. I mean, like she says to them, you're both hunter and, and prey. So, I mean, for my druthers, I think she's probably born on Mandalore, but I think that she um, does not think less of anyone who wasn't and who's chosen to come into this way of life. Okay. So almost uh, a guide then into the into the lifestyle. Yeah. I think that she keeps them rooted to uh, the core of who they are and this kind of this oath that they've taken um, because there's a lot of chaos. I mean, it's, it's you know, timeline wise, we know that the empire's fallen, but there's not there's not a lot of order where they are. Um, there's not a lot of rules. It's kind of unclear who actually is in charge and who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. And there's a lot of a lot of people who are just kind of looking out for themselves. And I think it's a key moment when that fight breaks out and uh, and she reminds all of them like what it is that unites them because if they don't have that then they have infinite choices of of what alliances they could form and what of those mean anything but this creed that they've all taken on um means a lot and i love that i mean i when we had the premiere we got to see the first three episodes and it was such a thrilling moment being in a theater full of the cast and the crew and the directors and then we also had a couple of uh mandalorian um clubs that were there. Okay, the Mando that, Mercs, yeah. Mandalorian yeah, Mercs, awesome. Yeah. Um, and that moment at the end of chapter three when he's down for the count and all the bounty hunters are coming after him and then the Mandalorians all come out and fight for him, there was just this huge cheer that erupted and everybody was so, it was such a joyful moment. And I love that moment too because I think, you know, we see that there's all this distrust and you know, some of these guys like don't like him. They don't like the way he's done things. But when push comes to shove, they're going to look out for him because they're all Mandalorians. It, and so, I think that that kind of unity and that kind of uh, 
um, community is is really beautiful. It's okay for you to pick on your brother or your sister, but it's not okay for someone else to. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, I know for me when I saw that scene, because uh, the last time we saw Mandalorians using jetpacks like that was in Clone Wars during the whole mm-hmm. Death Watch sequence. So to see that live and like, oh, wow, they actually made yeah. that happen um, yeah. was outstanding. Um, you, the response to your character, did you expect it to be like it has been? Not at all. I'm blown away. What's been well, longer? Go ahead, Ken. I, my question well, can wait. I say, my, my wife actually, this leads into a question my wife actually had for you. Okay. Um, you're saying, um, what was it like? And um, has did it, did it ever actually cross your mind realizing that you're actually the first female Mandalorian we've seen on live um, live action ever, and um, you're actually a female leader of an all as far as we could tell, it's all male warriors, and you're yeah. the one telling them what was that like? I was aware of that, and that did feel feel significant to me, and um, and I'm just so glad that that John made that choice, and and you know he said when they. They were thinking of this character they were kind of like well why not why not make it a woman and I love that it's not a big deal that she's a woman that she just has this authority and and they accept it um, and yes that that I knew I felt the significance of that um, and even though we've had a lot of really powerful female Mandalorians in the, the animated series yeah this was the first time we've had one in live action and um, and I feel like it's also kind of the first time in the well definitely in the in the live action that this kind of like um, mentor figure like you know Obi-Wan was or um, yep. or Yoda even like they're also usually guys and so that was really exciting to me um, that she's the one that's sort of guiding him and that she's a woman and uh, and I I I thought that that would be a big deal for people. I hoped it would. I hoped that it would inspire um, a lot of women and, and little girls. And it has. And that's been like one of the coolest things to me is like having little girls talk about how they want to cosplay the armorer. I love that. But yeah, I just, you know, you never know. Like, I, I feel like I had a sense that what we were making was incredible. I had such respect for it. I thought, it, you know, the scripts were awesome. What I'd seen of the shooting was I thought it was great, but you just don't know how it's going to be received until it gets out there. And I had no idea that the fan response would be so overwhelmingly positive. And that's just been thrilling. I mean, it, it just it makes me giddy. It's so exciting to uh, to be part of something that is so that makes people so happy to watch it <laughs> and that has people so worked up. I, I will say, obviously, we're close to the same age. Maybe, maybe not. Probably. Uh, but we um, I know for me seeing having seen the original trilogy in the theaters as a Mm -hmm. kid and then seeing this show um, and going back to that vibe. uh, I'm going to use your word giddy. Um, I felt giddy like a little school girl or school boy. And I'm not embarrassed (laughs) to say so. Um, it, it was, and then for my daughter to also see it, um, you know, she's seen all the films, uh, she's seen the sequel trilogy in the theaters. Um, she's just been all in this as well. And my wife even got into it. I mean, she says she's a star Wars fan by proxy because of me. Um, she's more into it now than before we dated and got married. Uh, and she was enthralled with the show and said, okay, this is Star Wars. Um, so I guess for me, no, don't tell me I'm having that moment right now. No, this happens. It's okay. It'll come to you. That's the problem. 
sometimes it doesn't. Um, what what has been like one of the best moments for you involving the show that ha- that has really wow. made you go, I'm a part of this universe, or I'm I'm as a or even as a fan going, I can't believe I did this. Yeah, I mean there've been there've been several. I, just being like being at the premiere and finally getting to see it with everyone was. It was such an exciting night. Um, And to get to see, you know, especially because I had finished shooting it so long before, like getting to see people again after I hadn't seen them in almost a year. Um, That was exciting and getting to watch it together. And then I think, you know, after chapter eight, dropped um that was a definite game changer because i don't think anyone expected the armor to uh to have those have that kind of ferocity yeah um and that was really exciting people's response to that on social media um that's when like my friends from high school started calling me and saying like my kids think i'm so cool because we went to school together um, that's been, I mean, that's just been one of the funniest things. I have all these, these friends, you know, who are my age with kids now who are like, my kids want an autograph. Can you get that for me? And it, I, I love that. Um, and then this first convention that I did and I went, it was a wizard world convention in Portland and it was the first one I'd done. I had, I've done a bunch of conventions before for supernatural another TV show I was on. This is the first one I'd done since The Mandalorian had completely aired. Um, and the just like the the giddiness that I um, encountered from fans and, um, you know, having someone make me a helmet and like like that's it just continues to kind of unroll how uh, it's like waves of excitement, I guess. OK, the, how how is the fans been pre Mandalorian and then post Mandalorian now that you're part of Star Wars? There, there, I know um, there's a difference. I mean, how how extreme is this difference? You mean between like Supernatural and Star Wars? Well, anything you had done yeah, before you much. hit Star Wars, Supernatural, well, Star, uh, Supernatural is definitely like the most passionate fan base that I had experienced before Star Wars. Um, and it's, I mean, and they're a very, very passionate group of people. But I think the thing that feels different about Star Wars is that because it's, I mean, you know, this is this is 43 years now since the, yeah. the first movie. And so it just spans like so many generations. And it's something that it feels a lot more like it's a, a family event and a community event. Like there's so many parents who share it with their kids and, and there's just not as many. Um, that's great. You know, when I when I meet parents who watch Supernatural with their young kids, I'm a little like, oh, I, I don't know if they, they should be into that. But if they're not scared. Um, and I think... Uh, I don't know. I, I do feel like there's also just there's so much joy in the Star Wars fan base. Like I just meet a lot of really joyful people who love this collection of stories and love these characters. And um, there's just so it, it feels like a, a there's a, a lightness and a, a buoyancy to it that I've never experienced in another fan base. And uh and I know that there's plenty of people who do, you know, have lots of passionate arguments about like what works in the movies, what doesn't work, and and in the Mandalorian as well. But um, I feel like the the response has been overwhelmingly positive in a way that I haven't seen with the movies in a while. Um, and so, like having that kind of energy that that comes at us from that is. It's just I'm soaking all of this up. It's such an incredible moment. Awesome. 
I love I so love then, that because well, go ahead, Derek. So um, so the time between you finish shooting and when they actually started airing the Mandalorian. Uh, was what type of thoughts were going through your head as different announcements about the show were made and everything? And were you nervous about how how, would, how fans would react? Or yeah, I was. Well, and also I didn't know. You know, I was sort of surprised that I was announced with it in such a small group of people. I think because I didn't realize because I, I was like, well, I'm only in three episodes. It's not a big deal. But I didn't realize like how small the cast actually is. And um, mm. how few people ultimately there there are in a lot of it. And, you know, even uh, like Moff Gideon, we barely see, but he's a hugely significant character. Right. So I started to kind of understand that a little better when it when it came out. But, yeah, I think that was one of the things I was nervous about. I was like, they keep like connecting my name to it. But what if it comes out and people are just like, oh, she's barely in it. We don't care about her. Um, so yeah, there was, uh, there was some, I I tend to be very cautious in my optimism, um, (laughs) because I, I've been in plenty of things that I think are fantastic and then they're just not well received. And, and then there's things that I have felt, uh, ambivalent about and people go nuts about them. So I, I tend to just, I love what I do. I love the work and I try to enjoy the process of doing the work as as much as I can and appreciate that and then kind of leave the results up to, um, you know, let, let the cards fall where they may. So I was, I was a little bit nervous about it, but I also, I think I was, I had low, I let myself have low expectations so that I could be pleasantly surprised. (laughs) So what was it like to be given the George Lucas seal of approval? I mean, that's everything, right? It's the maker. It, yeah, it was a relief. I mean, I wasn't super surprised because like John and, and Dave are, are tight with him. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a relief. And I have such respect for him and for this universe that he created and, and how much of himself he poured into it and how hard he fought to get it made in the first place, even with all the people that thought it wasn't going to be anything. And I, I go ahead. No, go ahead. Keep going. I was just going to say I, I was there on set um, one of the days that he came to visit visit and I had this moment when I was standing there listening to him where I just I I was just really taken aback at thinking like what must it be like to be in his head to have created this had this dream over 40 years ago you know make these movies with very limited technology and then see how this is now expanded into these animated series and people still want more movies and seeing the technology get sometimes better sometimes just more technical um, and see that people still are hungry for these movies and um and I'm I'm amazed that John did capture I agree that he captured the tone of those original three so well um so I hope that that George is excited about that I think he must be what was it what was your experience seeing baby baby Yoda or the child for the first time <laughs> it was ridiculous it was so cute um and you i mean you know it's a puppet but he was really cute and there was nothing else cute that i'd seen yet you know the armorer's not cute finjarin's not cute there was no cuteness that i had experienced um with the stuff that i'd shot so it was sort of surprising and i didn't know when we shot we shot out of order. So I did one and three towards the beginning. And then I think they shot 
one more episode and then I came back and did eight. Um, we finished all those before the end of 2018 and they, they kept shooting till March or April. So I, I did not know the scope of uh, Baby Yoda's journey through the whole series. Um, I knew plot points. You know, they told me what I needed to know to understand like the significance of him in this uh, in the scene in, in chapter eight. Um, but I didn't know how cute the dang thing actually was. <laughs> and uh, it's just ridiculous. And talk about it. I mean, the response to that, I've never in my life seen anything like that. It, it, was there hope that you were going to eventually make armor for the child? I think I still could. <laughs> I think he needs it. I mean, could you imagine? Ear slot, slots in the side yeah. of the helmet for the ears to stick out. And a little <laughs> hole in his in his mask so he can sip his bone broth. <laughs> or a straw, maybe. Maybe he needs a sippy cup or a straw or something. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> little little flap for the frogs to enter. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were working um, with the forge and stuff there. Um, did they bring anybody in to actually show you a little bit of blacksmithing or stuff, or did they have someone else actually do most of the work with the metal? No, they brought somebody in to show me. Um, oh, and wow. So mo- most of that is me. Um, and then I think there were a couple things that after I finished shooting, they realized like they wanted some different shots or something, and so someone else came in. But yeah, it was, I mean, it sometimes took a few takes for me to do it to look like I knew what I was doing, but I loved that part of it. And, uh, and they did have somebody work with me on that. So that was cool. And John said while we were shooting it, that he was using a lot of the, the same, um, kind of visual concepts for those sequences that he had used in Iron Man when he's making his, yeah. Mm, So it was nice to have that as a reference point. Awesome. Yeah. So there, there's a little. Did you get to have any input? Sorry, there are two questions did at once. Have, did you get to have any input into how you looked at all? How I looked? Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't. I was so enamored of what they were doing. I didn't even offer anything. <laughs> have you been told about any figures or collectibles being made of you? Well, I know there's the Funko Pop. Yeah, um, yeah, which is sort of weird to me because she's got the bobblehead, and that doesn't feel very armorer-like. <laughs> um, and I think, I mean, I knew that I know that they did all the scans and took all the pictures and everything to do an action figure. So I hope <gasps> there's one. I have reason to believe there will be, but. Um, there's so little, like, around the merchandising. I don't really find out that there's stuff being made of me until it comes out. Nobody tells me that they're doing it. <laughs> well, hopefully there'll be a Armor Black Series figure, which is the 6 I hope figure. so. Yeah. But there's got to be. They got to. Right. I mean, come on. I want to see an Armor. You know you've made it when you get a Lego minifig of yourself. Yeah, and I can't oh, wait yeah. for that. And I can't mm-hmm. wait for well, we that. Know that. I believe what it is. April is when they're when Hasbro and everybody's supposed to be releasing their actual Mandalorian stuff. Oh, okay. Because they yeah. were holding everything so long to make mm-hmm. sure that the child would actually. I think it's actually because they wanted to make sure the child was actually going to make the impact they were hoping. Yeah. Yeah. It could have yeah. went very bad really quick. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I love that they oh. did that. I love that they were able to keep that secret. I love that yeah. that the episodes dropped weekly and it wasn't all released at yes. once because it was fun to have that yep. anticipation and mm-hmm. and to yeah. have it be a, a community event and people seeing it at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
It was great. Yeah. Well, like I said, when we were watching it, the cool thing is Netflix and a lot of these other ones that drop everything all at once, it becomes, everything's all about that for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. got to wait another year by the time you get around to it and everybody's like, well, okay, wait, what happened on this? Something yeah. like this where you get right. a weekly show right. or a lot of like Supernatural and some of the other shows that are take that much time, you have time to discuss it and dissect it every week as you go. And you actually live with it a lot longer. And I think it actually lasts in people's minds a lot longer and you actually be- get a better feel out of it. Yeah. I think so too. Favorite moment on set. Um, oh, geez. Well, I have been a fan of Taika Waititi for a long time. So meeting him that moment when, you know, I first got to set for that episode was pretty exciting. Um, and I also, I mean, I loved that whole episode cause I actually got to like, you know, interact with a few more people, nothing against, um, Din Djarin. <laughs> um, but it was fun, you know, to get to be in a scene like with, with several of the characters and, um, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't know like what one favorite was. Cause it was also just really exciting. The first day that I got there and got to move in that armor and be in that room and start to, to be her. Um, it was, I mean, the whole thing was pretty, pretty great. Well, you got to work with three different directors on this. And um, the first day there, like you said, you guys were doing the first scene or first um, episode. And that was actually directed by Dave Filoni. Did you know going in or could you tell that this was um, his first live action directing? Or did it just seem like it was old hand? He knew exactly what he was doing and was able yeah, to Yeah, I, I knew I just never because done it. he said that. But he he had such confidence and such um, – I mean, he, he'd done his work. He knew, he knew what he wanted it to look like. He knew what he wanted it to feel like. And he's just such a such a, a kind guy and such a gracious guy. You know, he's great at, at bringing people together um, and getting everyone on the same page. Like he made sure we all kind of knew what the story is that we were telling, what the feel of it was. And and I think also like just by virtue of the fact that he is sort of an encyclopedia of Star Wars knowledge it was easy to trust him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, any questions that we had about like accuracy of, of stuff regarding the Mandalorians, we knew like we could ask him and whatever answer he gave, like we didn't need to look any further. <laughs> we knew he knew. Yeah. What were some of the questions that you asked or no, that's not the direction I want to go. Was there something you wanted to do with the armor that they came back and said, no, because that's not the direction we see her going. Um, I'm trying to think. No, we hit the hard-hitting questions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there may have been things, I think, like, those first few days, there were maybe some things with movement that, that didn't quite work. Like, I realized she couldn't really be um, sarcastic. <laughs> it just didn't play. <laughs> Um, and I guess also like I did try some things at a faster tempo and they just reflected back like, no, that doesn't really, doesn't really work. But there wasn't anything that I was like, oh my gosh, I have this great idea. And it got shot down. I think that we, we sort of, the stuff that John gave me to start with was really helpful. And then, uh, and we just kind of built it together from there. Okay. Does does the uh, armor get to go outside at all? Does she get to leave the forge ever? That's a good question. I wonder that too. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think she does. I think she chooses not to. I guess. I mean, partly, you know, to stay safe, to stay hidden. Um, well, would she, no, would she have left the 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 guild hideaway to go collect the armor and the helmets of those that had fallen? 
I think she must have had to. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, to be honest, I haven't really thought about the logistics of that. Because <laughs> um, I think it would be risky to leave. I think if she did, it would have to be, you know, in the in the dark of night and um, but it is it's it is very mysterious to me still as to why she's really like the only one left down there um, and where everyone else. I mean, I have to think that there must be a few other Mandalorians still in hiding on Navarro, even though, you know, she said she thinks some fled to other worlds. But I feel like there must be a few that just don't know that there's others there. Okay. Well, going into this, I don't know um, how big, I mean, everybody has seen Star Wars, but when you're going into this, had you already seen the Clone Wars or any of those so that um, you had a general idea of what the Mandalorian culture was at some point? Or have you, obviously you've referenced it a couple times, so you know about it now and you've seen some of that now, but before this, were you already a fan of the Clone Wars and some of these things already? No, before I started working on this, I hadn't, I hadn't watched any of those. I didn't, I honestly, I didn't really even know the depth of uh, of what they were and then you know I started doing some research to work on this and I was shocked at <laughs> what I had been missing out on and how much there was <laughs> and it was it was really exciting to discover that okay I want to kind of go back to the convention side of things what's been one of your favorite fan moments that has happened since coming into the Star Wars universe um, one of my favorite fan moments, I mean, getting that when, when the lovely guy in Portland just handed me this helmet and I was like, oh, that's beautiful. And then he said, it's for you that, I mean, they, someone actually took a picture of my face in that moment and it's, um, it looks as ridiculous as I felt because I was just so taken aback. I couldn't believe that somebody had put the time and the effort into making something that represented this character, you know, that he cared enough about about her role in the, the universe. Um, and then also, I was not at all prepared at the at the premiere and then at the premiere of The Rise of Skywalker. Um, you know, you pull up in your in your car and when you first get out, the first people that you see are the fans that are waiting there, um, you know, with posters. And I... I had never experienced that. Um, I haven't ever been to a premiere with like that many fans who were that excited <laughs> and that just being met with that wave of excitement um, and, and getting to sign people's posters and people's helmets. I mean, people had their own, their, their helmets from their own cosplay and stuff. And um, those were definitely moments that stood out. I hadn't ever experienced anything like that, that kind of energy. So when you go to step out of the car, is, is- the the rush of sound almost overpowering that it, it almost throws you back in the car is it <laughs> yeah i guess a little bit it is that that profound yeah okay um go ahead <laughs> i was gonna say so uh is it was it we is it did it let me word this correctly <laughs> <laughs> uh what about what about going to the convention was that like a uh just as as different an experience or an interesting experience as as like seeing all the fans at the premiere and everything. It wasn't quite as intense because I have done fan conventions for Supernatural, so I've experienced a little bit of that. Right. Um, no, it was definitely the the premieres that were a whole a whole new thing. Have you been announced yet for uh, Star Wars Celebration? No, I have not. 
Okay. Have you been to a Star Wars celebration? I haven't. I want to go. I hope you go, because that's going to be a convention of a totally different beast. It looks amazing. I've seen pictures and videos and stuff. It looks incredible. I've been to three, and I guarantee you it's completely different. And you're going to wish all conventions were like this. Oh, man. Um, What's been one of the scariest fan moments you've had? Maybe... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for a, at any point not just the star wars because you've, you've only done one star wars convention but just something to just do you're like wait a minute um uh, hey honey have i had any scary fan moments <laughs> <laughs> asking my husband I, I mean, thankfully, knock on wood, um, I haven't experienced anything creepy, really. Um, well, there, there could I, be, there could be good creepy, where it's like, okay, I can't believe that just happened. I hope it doesn't happen again, but <laughs> kind of cool. I did have a. There was a time that I had when a, a casting director actually called me and said she. Oh, this was a few years ago now, so I don't even know if I'm gonna. But basically. Somebody told me that they had encountered someone who said that they were, this is when I was in LA. I live in New York now and I was mostly in LA at this point. And they'd encountered this person who said he was a fan of mine and he was going to go, um, he knew my address and he was going to go visit me and he was going to ask me to marry him. Um, Boy. that was a little creepy that never actually materialized. I was going to say, that's, oh, that's, that's good. Not, that's not the guy who you call your husband now. Oh wait, yeah, it? that's my husband. <laughs> Creepy fan Um, moment. Gone good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there are sometimes like at these conventions when people, they, they, they approach you and you kind of get this energy from them where you feel like they, they think that they know you a lot more than they do because they've so identified with your character. Um, Mm. And I, I mean, I feel like I sort of understand that and I know how to receive that. And, um, but it is, it's sometimes it, it makes conversations a little like, wait, are you talking to me or do you think you're talking to this? you know, fictitious person that I played. Um, I remember the first few, my character on on Supernatural was very angry and um, killed a lot of people and never really cracked a smile the whole season. So I remember the first few conventions I did, people were kind of apprehensive when they approached me because I think they... They weren't sure if I was like that in real life. <laughs> well, when you sit at the table holding a knife, going, who's next? <laughs> I can understand. Um, what's, what, what's one of your biggest takeaways from doing The Mandalorian? Oh, takeaway in, in what way? Could you get more specific? Um, I guess like a, a personal moment or... Um, Maybe an impression? Yeah. Something that... Hmm. I know, it's such a broad question. I apologize. I, I'm trying to figure out how to narrow it down. Um, I guess what what was one of the, the maybe best um, inspirations from your character that you brought into your real life? Hmm. Um. I love how how patient and steady the armorer's confidence is and that she doesn't she's not aggressive with her authority. She's not aggressive with I mean the fact that she's she seems to be right about everything all the time. <laughs> Um, and I really, in, in real life, I am somebody who's constantly in motion. And so I really enjoyed inhabiting her and feeling what it was like to not, to not let anything be too urgent and to just trust, um, to kind of trust the authority that, that I felt when I was her and to be able to be kind and patient 
and very firm. Um, I really like that about her. And that's something that, that uh, I would like to have more of in my life. And it, it was really cool to have permission to be in that energy. Um, how about one more question from each Derek and Ken before we wrap up? Okay. Well, um, we do see in the, in the eighth episode that the armorer does know a little bit about how to fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, much, how much of the fight was actually, did you get to do or how much of it was all just straight stunt woman? Oh my gosh. I wanted, as soon as I got that script, I talked to our, our fight coordinator and I was like, what do I need to do to train? And he said, I really appreciate that. We're shooting this in three weeks. There's like no possible way you could be as proficient as we need you to be. But I did during those three weeks, I did work with somebody, um, and a lot of the fight was inspired by a martial art called Kali. And so I worked with somebody um, to get down some of the basics of those moves so that I could do some of the transitions in the fight. But all the stuff that looks really, really like fast and furious is an incredibly skilled stunt woman. And then I got to do some of the key moments. And that's definitely me like at the end striking that that pose. <laughs> so I got to take credit for it and feel the victory of it at the end. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I definitely have to give credit where credit is due there. Uh, Ken, I mean, sorry, Derek. That was mine. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever you are. So you had me um, before that you were surprised at the popularity of the character being that you were only in three episodes and everything. Um, so is it at this point, is it something where you're like, I can't believe how popular she is? Or is it more like you're you more like you understand why people like her so much? Well, I guess I. I do understand in the sense that, especially now seeing the whole series, um, I do sort of understand it because of what she represents, um, right. both in this story and then just in the world of the, the Mandalorian people. Um, so it, it makes sense to me. You know, it feels like she, in many ways, is much larger than this story that we have a, a window into. So mm-hmm. I get that. Um, and I, I really appreciate and respect that. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't have as much of a sense of that when we were shooting it, not getting to see the whole, the whole series. Uh, as part of wrap up, uh, news has come out that there's going to be a couple of spinoff shows from Mandalorian potentially coming according to, uh, Bob Iger or mm-hmm. to that. Oh, I didn't Bob even Iger. know that. Um, a lot of rumors are, or a lot of speculation or a lot of wishes is a spinoff based on the armor. How do you feel about that? I would love that. Sure. Sign me up. <laughs> Where can people find you online? Um, on social media, my handle is the same on Twitter and Instagram. It's Biggie Swalls, which is B-I-G-E-S-W-A-L-L-Z. And I do like really try to reply to people. Um, I've been so excited about the fan art that people are sending me or tagging me in. And I try to post that when I get it. So I, I love interacting with people. And, and you know, I, I started acting in theater. And in theater, you have this immediate connection with your audience, yeah. which is so exciting. And I, I do so love about social media that 
it gets you connected to your audience. And I love hearing how people feel and the, you know, the different elements of the stories that they are attracted to. So um, I definitely am not able to keep on top of all of it, but I try to, I try to respond to people and interact with people. I appreciate you uh, responding back to me through social media. Yeah. Trying to get you on the show. Even even though I bugged you for a little bit. Well, I'll tell you why. It was because it was just this one line message every time. And I was like, (laughs) I don't know who you are or what this is. Tell me a little bit more. See that that's, <laughs> that's some info that helps me out for yeah definitely so, I think when yeah. you hit people up like just give them a little more information sometimes I'm just doing it so quick at work like I don't have time hey interested <laughs> but yeah I will expand on that for future um final final thing uh for the armorer herself what would be uh any words of advice or any final comments miss armor um this is the way <laughs> how can I top that <laughs> nice this is the way uh on that note uh thank you again for for joining us it's been a blast thank you guys this is really fun to talk to you and um there's only one thing left to, to be said after this is the way give the evacuation code signal all right cut the chatter Jet, i can hold it pull up no i'm all right information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2.